Happy New Year. This is Nick with the Tennis Podcast. I'm here by myself this week. Um, nope. Right here. Oh, sorry. I forgot you were there, Brandon. Okay. Yep, Brandon's here, here too. This is the first episode of the year 2019 AD. And uh, we're going to cover, well, we're going to cover another top 10 list this week. I kind of figured we would. Brandon, we are live in the ears of our listeners right now. Right. Tiny little man who live inside your phone. Right. We're live right now. It is January 2nd, 2019. So, how was your new year in the past? Uh, it was awesome. When the ball dropped and uh, Times Square exploded, uh, I was yeah. at home with my family and uh, we just went to bed. It was a nice, uh, it was a nice New Year's. Shame about Ryan Seacrest's arm, though. <laughs> for our first-time listeners out there, the few of you that have been living under rocks for the last 20 weeks, what we do here is one of us comes prepared with a top 10 list and the other guesses in real time with no heads up on what the list is. So, Brandon, are you ready to talk about the top 10 best-selling book series in the history of books? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm writing this down. Top 10 best-selling series, like a series is kind of like a franchise. Yeah. So, you can call it what you want. These are books that have two or more in the series. This is based on units sold. So, in other words, this is based on the number of books sold, not the number of dollars. Okay. And this is in history with a few exceptions that I'll go over in a minute. First, I'm going to give a shout out to my sources for this. I uh, took a few sources and curated my own list based on those. My sources were, for this were thedailybeast.com and ranker.com. And I also supplemented with our good friends wikipedia.com, listeners of the show. <laughs> the guy, Johan Wikipedia. What's that guy's name that owns Wikipedia? Johan. Or the founder? Johan Wikipedia. Yeah, that, Jeff Bezos. Richard Branson. That was it. Yep. It was on the tip of my tongue. Uh, no, I think it was Bill Gates. So, here's the exception I was talking about. Uh, your first guess probably would have been the Bible. Yes. And all books of a religious... Here's a quote. I'm going to just read it. All books of a religious, ideological, philosophical, or political nature have been excluded from this list. Get them out of here. Because exact print figures for these and other books may also be missing or unreliable since these kinds of books may be produced by many different and unrelated publishers, in some cases over many centuries. Right, like the tiny little New Testaments that they send. Yeah, how many different versions of the Bible are there from how many different publishers over how many years? So, it's like, it's, we can't, we don't have a reliable number. Thanks to the Gideons, we don't have a reliable number of Bible units. Would the Bible even be considered a series? I don't know. So, there's no Bible, no Isn't religious... is a prequel to the Left Behind series? <laughs> wow. Okay, so no religious books. And I'll give you a spoiler too. Every book in the top 10 is fiction. Okay. Uh, every book series, excuse me. Why don't we get started with you telling me some book series that you're pretty certain are not going to be in the top 10? Well, I just started listening to the podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno. And the porno is not a porno film. It is a porno, like an erotic novella. Sure. And uh, I'm going to guess that the Belinda Blinked erotic series is not going to be on that list. <sighs> okay, you're right. <laughs> a plug for a podcast that we don't have anything to do with. It's a good podcast though. 
Okay, for a book series not in the top 10, how about Captain Underpants? You think he's in the top 10? I just learned about what Captain Underpants is recently. I did a book report on Captain Underpants in elementary school. I just learned from some elementary school teachers that Captain Underpants is hated amongst serious educators. (laughs) Well, there's also a movie that came out fairly recently. Starring a child in his underwear? It's not. It's a superhero in his underwear, underpants, and he's a captain. Of what? You know, I thought Captain Underpants would not be in the top 10. I was right. But it's actually sold over 50 million, if you can believe that. Which puts it somewhere in the top, puts it in the top 50. Um, I'm going to guess there's no Dr. Seuss in the top 10. Well, see, I thought about that. Dr. Seuss isn't a series. He's an author with several different books. Mm. There's no, there's not more than one Lorax. I think I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings isn't a series. It's not? What I could find, because I've never read this book, but Lord of the Rings is not considered a series, though it has been broken up into separate books. It actually came out in volumes, volumes of the same novel. So, the novel is called The Lord of the Rings, but each book is part of it. Each volume. Lord of the Rings, the book, the the novel, the volumes, whatever, just the whole Mm -hmm. thing, has sold over 150 million copies. Which would put it in the top 10? No, it would put it around number 15. Oh, okay. But as a standalone book, if we're not doing series and we're just doing books, Lord of the Rings is in the top 10. Right up there with the Bible. Bible for nerds. What's the Bible for nerds? The Lord of the Rings. Ah, okay. Um, How about Nate the Great? Never heard of Nate the Great. Did you, have you heard of Fudge? A, kel- no. a kid but goes by the name of Fudge by Judy Bloom. How do you, God, God damn it, Brandon. I don't understand you. I don't understand you. What's not to understand? We all remember books from our childhood. Yes. But nobody remembers the author's name of a random childhood book series that you haven't even looked at in 30 years. It was an extremely popular book series by one of the most famous children's authors ever. Judy Bloom? Yes. Fudge is not I want to guess the list. All right, let's guess the list. So, we're going to guess the top 11, actually. Okay. uh, Because one of the top 10, you're never going to guess, and no one in America has ever heard of it. It's manga. Is it some kind of manga stuff? Uh, what is it? Okay, it's a French book. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe you'll surprise me and you've heard of it. But we're going to do the top 11 and I have the top 30 in front of me. Give me a guess. What do you think number, uh, what do you think is in the top 10? 11. The Dark Tower series. No. Okay. The Dark Tower series is a Stephen King series yeah. that I hoped and prayed would be on here, but it's not, it's not even in the top 50. It didn't even scratch the ass of this list. It's uh, 30 million copies sold between eight books. Great series. I highly recommend it. It's uh, got elements of horror, fantasy. um, Babysitter's Club. Wow. I'm uh, impressed with that guess. Is it on here? The Babysitter's Club is number 13. God damn. But get get this. We're going to talk about this a lot on this episode. Uh, And it's not about your butt. Mm -hmm. It's about how many books there are in this series. 335 books. (laughs) <laughs> in the Babysitter's Club by Anne Martin. I don't know if Anne Martin literally wrote all 335 or not. God damn, that's a lot of adventures. It sold 172 million. So, there's your barometer. Number 13, the Babysitter's Club sold 172 million. Do you happen to know what years the Babysitter's Club was at its most popular? 
I don't know what its most popular is, but I know it was first published in 1986 and it's still being published to this day. I have no idea what the Babysitter's Club does. I know what the name implies. They babysit, Brandon. But what they're... They supervise children. Are their adventures dangerous? Are they, you know, exploring lost mines for treasure? I think it's like the sisterhood of the traveling pants sort of thing. They share pants? You know, they just... Take off their pants. (laughs) Do girl stuff. Hmm. Well, let me guess Harry Potter then. Do you want me to reveal the rankings? Yes, reveal the rankings. I'm going to need that. Harry Potter's number one. (gasps) Good. And I want everyone to rest assured, if there was any doubt and any worry in your little hearts, put it out of your heart right now because I have a copious amount of hashtag Nick's notes to accompany today's list. (laughs) Are you ready to, to dive into the world of Harry Potter, which you and I are experts in? I don't know anything about Harry Potter and I assumed you did, but you don't. I don't know anything about Harry Potter. So, here's the thing. Harry Potter was written by Stephen King and the novels chronicle the lives of a killer clown that live in a sewer of a hotel called The Overlook until one day, a space ranger named Luke Skywalker. This doesn't sound right. Harry Potter was written by J.K. Rowling and the novels chronicle the lives of a young wizard, Harry Potter, and his friends Hermione... Granger and Ron Weasley, all of whom are students at Hogwarts. Is Hermione a common name in England or Great Britain? You sound like a damn muggle right now. Hermione is such a... I just never ran into another Hermione and I'm wondering... And I wonder if before the movie came out, if everyone pronounced it Hermione. I think they did. I remember hearing something about that and then the movie said everybody's straight, but... Something about the name Hermione sounds, it strikes me in the same way that, you know, you hear people can't stand to hear the word moist. Hermione does the same thing to me. Sounds whiny. Whiny Hermione. Are you done? I got it off my chest. Did you want to bring up Harry Potter's baked beans? Do you remember that? Yeah. You took us on a sidetrack last week. That was one of Brandon's bullets, bullet points about... (laughs) Harry Potter is that he had some magic jelly beans. That but he didn't. Like nasty stuff. Yes, he did. He didn't have... Ma- no, he didn't. He, Harry Potter didn't have... The brand Harry <laughs> Potter. He didn't hold them in his hand and give them to me. And did he climb the beanstalk? They weren't those kind of beans. The main story arc concerns Harry's struggle against Lord Voldemort, a dark wizard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who intends to become immortal, Yeah, overthrow the wizard governing body known as the Ministry of Magic, and subjugate all wizards and muggles, which are non-magical people. Oh, the stakes are really high. He wants to live forever yeah. and control the entire world. No, I didn't hear that. He said he wants to take control over the muggle land. That's the whole world. Oh, subjugate? Okay. Yeah, he wants to make... No, not only take it over, but make him his slaves. He wants to become God. Those are huge. He should write the Bible. Those are huge stakes. No wonder Christian fundamentalists got upset about Harry Potter. Yeah, I can see it now. Lord Voldemort is Lucifer. Well, yeah, but the people that were outcrying didn't know the specifics. They didn't know Lord Voldemort. They just knew there was magic. Sorcery! Do you, do you remember the craze of Harry Potter? No, I remember I was in college and there were people around my age 
that were like waiting in line to see this movie and that was the first I had heard of it. Well, that's just the movie. I remember before the movies when the book, the first book came out. I guess I missed that. I was in elementary school and I knew people that had to read it in secret. Because it was nasty. Because of the Ministry of Magic polluting their, corrupting their (laughs) young Christian minds. Corrupted started sticking jelly beans up their ass. (laughs) Little did their parents know that their minds had been corrupted by the uh, large amounts of porn they were already looking at every day. (laughs) Harry Potter has seven... Books in the main series plus eight supplemental books. First published in 1997. Whoa, whoa. There's more sup... What are the supplemental books? Oh, I think they're about like, here's a list of all the... A compendium of all the creatures you can find. Well, yeah. I I don't really know what they're counting as supplements and not, but I have eight supplements here from my source. Okay. Published between 97 and today, there's been 500 million copies of the Harry Potter series sold. And other than one other series in the top 11, uh, no series has fewer installments than Harry Potter in the top 11. In other words, with one exception, no other series in the top 11 has less books that have sold more. Aha, that is a good clue. The seventh and final volume of the main series, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, became the fastest selling book in history with more than 11 million copies sold in the first 24 hours alone. How did people know that the book was really good when it first went on sale? Well, it was the final book in the series. Oh, the final book on the, in the series. I guess they did. Yeah. They still didn't know if it was any good. They just had to get no, their No, but they had to it. see how it ended. So, how did it end? Did he... I don't know. Did it... Harry dies, doesn't he? Huh? Spoiler alert. I don't know if that's even true. I, You know, I haven't even seen the movies. I've seen one... I saw the first one. He's the boy who lived. What? That's one of the names for him, the boy who lived. I don't know how I know this stuff. I just know it. Or maybe he comes back to life. If he's if he's supposed to be the Jesus of the series, then maybe he's resurrected. Brandon and I don't know anything about Harry Potter. I have all the books here. I could read them. So, even though this is a book for, at least originally for young teens and adults, I don't even know any... I don't know if by the end it was still that way or not. I know the movies kind of skewed older as they went along. The movies go through puberty. Yeah, but I don't know if the books do or not. But according to the author, J.K. Rowling, the main theme of the series is, quote, death. Other major themes in the series include prejudice, corruption, and madness. And magic. And magic. The book series spawned films, video games, theme park attractions, and more. And the film series has grossed almost $8 billion globally. And five of the series' eight films are among the 50 highest grossing films of all time with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 as the highest grossing in the series, and one of only 36 films in history to gross over $1 billion. Pretty crazy. I'll tell you what else it grossed. Grossed me out. So, how many um, Harry Potter scenario uh, clips have you watched on Pornhub this year? Zero. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know any of those exist, but I, I'm, I'm already giggling about like magic wand jokes and... Uh, Spells like, uh, or, or he who shall not be named. So imagine being J.K. Rowling, who I don't know anything about, but I do know that she was not famous prior to Harry Potter. So imagine how her life blew up with this series. I mean, it's crazy, right? She's got to be a, I mean, what is she, a billionaire? Oh, here, I'm looking right now. She's estimated fortune worth 600 million euros. That's weird. That's like Paul McCartney money. She is the UK's best-selling living author. Oh, she was once a billionaire, but she lost her billionaire status after giving much of her earnings to charity. 
That's good. Oh, well, great. We now we can't make any jokes about her or talk shit about her. So does that mean she gave more than $400 million away to charity? At least. Isn't she also one of those inspirational stories for like she didn't start writing until after she was like 40 years old or something? I I had to do something with my life. So JK Rowling, she's like satanic, right? Because she's into magic and shit? Yeah. Okay. Uh, What else you got? Sherlock Holmes. No, Sherlock Holmes is not even in the top 50. So, let me tell you a little bit about the top 11. Encyclopedia Brown? No. So, in the top 11, it's about half, okay, a little more than half old-timey shit, but shit you've probably heard of. Uh, The Odyssey? The Iliad? Those aren't series. It's not? I don't know. You said old-timey shit. I'm spit. Well, I don't mean that old timey. I mean this fucking millennium. Jughead, the <laughs> Adventures of Tintin. Those were good guesses. Wait, a book series, mm, The Wizard of Oz. That is a book, isn't it? Is it a series though? There is a series. There's, there's a couple. It's though there. It's not just The Wizard of Oz that he wrote. It's not in the top. Not in the top ten, or fi- not even in the top fifty. What when you say old timey? What kind of timey are you thinking? Like boxcar children, old timey, or Uncle Tom's like Cabin? Oh, Tom Sawyer? Huckleberry Finn? No. Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew is number eight. I knew it. Yeah, it only took you ten series to get through. Uh, Nancy Drew is written by various authors as Carolyn Keene. Why do they do that? Why are they the ripping book? themselves, stripping themselves of the credit due a Nancy Drew author? The books are ghostwritten by a number of authors and published under the collective pseudonym of Carolyn Keene. I don't know why. But so get this, Harry Potter is number one, right? And there were seven books plus eight, uh, what did I say, supplements? Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. Eight supplements. So, 15 in total, let's say. But really, I mean, 90% of the sales have come from the main seven. So, let's just say seven. And Nancy Drew, number eight, has 175 installments and it has sold not even half as many as Harry Potter. It's pretty amazing. And Nancy Drew's also been around since the 30s. So, that's your definition of old timey. Basically, the last time where like every photo was black and white. Think about your childhood. Books that came out around your childhood like Nancy Drew. That's old timey. So, Nancy Drew has sold 200 million compared to Harry Potter's 500 million. It was first published in 1930 with new books still coming out today. 175 books to date. God damn, she's old as hell. The culture... Well, it's... All right. A cultural icon, Nancy Drew is cited as a formative influence by a number of women from Supreme Court Justices Sandra Day O'Connor and Sonia Sotomayor, to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and former First Lady Laura Bush. Yeah, because she's an independent thinker. She's like well-educated and adventurous, right? We did say this was fiction. Oh my God. (laughs) I've never read Nancy Drew, but everything I know about her character is like, Nancy Drew is someone who would probably grow up to be a Supreme Court justice or... Uh, Secretary of State, but 
Or have a reality show like the Kardashians. <laughs> the books the, have been... The, the Nancy Drew for 2018, just like her own chapter on how she like shakes her butt in front of a mirror. <laughs> shakes her butt. Puts it on Instagram, gets in trouble. I was reading that uh, Nancy Drew has gone over a lot of changes over the decades uh-huh. where she's been modernized because of the, course. They made her butt big and gave her duck lips. <laughs> So, what was the modernization? You don't know? I didn't get that deep into it. I just read that she, you know, they incorporated like modern technology like cell phones and stuff into the stories. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I don't think they're probably going to, probably not going to fundamentally change Nancy. Did they update her name? But is Nancy Drew intended for kids or teens? Yeah, I think it's like 12, 13 year old girls, maybe 11. Yeah. Tweens. Tweens. Those are tweens, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Nancy Drew is featured in five films, two TV shows, and a number of popular computer games. Uh, yeah, quote. I bet. <laughs> she also appears in a variety of merchandise sold around the world. How do you like that for vague <laughs> notes? <laughs> a variety of merchandise. <laughs> so, that's Nancy Drew by various authors. You're not doing so hot. No, I'm not. I'm trying to think about how bad that Nancy Drew video game probably is. On the computer, Brandon. On the computer. You just sounded like my grandparents. <laughs> this game is on the computer. If you can imagine such a thing. Uh, how about the Hardy Boys? No. Hardy Boys are... I already said Jughead, right? Yep. Neither of those are in the top 50. Book series. Okay, can I tell you why I got like part of a problem? Sure. You, well, you have a big problem with your attitude, your <laughs> podcast hosting skills, your butt. It's because when I was a kid, I used to head straight over to, I think, I, have I mentioned this on the podcast before? I would head straight to the adult nonfiction. And yes. Yeah. And you don't have to actually have read these books to know about them. I haven't read most of these. Goosebumps. Yeah, Goosebumps. Where do you think Goosebumps ranks? Give me, show me Goosebumps. Uh, goosebumps. God damn, Goosebumps was hot. Goosebumps was all over the place. Goosebumps is number five. Two. Only Harry Potter is higher than Goosebumps. Goosebumps also written by J.K. Rowling. Uh, so, it's actually written by R.L. Stein. <laughs> she controls the world. The stories follow child characters who find themselves in scary situations, usually involving monsters and other supernatural elements. Here's the thing about Goosebumps. Tell me about it. It's written for children, but it's about really scary shit, like curses and shit. I remember seeing a movie with a mask that was cursed. Yeah. That's scary. I am a firm believer that children should be terrified every once in a while and scared at least regularly. And yeah, those books are great great for that. Were these Harry Potter people that were screaming about Harry Potter, where were they screaming about Goosebumps? I think some of them might have been screaming about Goosebumps. Huh? I do have a note about that because according, let's see, here, I'm just going to read a few sentences here. Goosebumps was listed 15th in the list of most frequently challenged books during the 1990 to 1999 period and 94th in the list of the top banned books during the 2000s by the American Library Association. According to the American Library Association, it challenges an attempt by a person or a group to remove or restrict materials from a library or school curriculum, the series was challenged for being too frightening for young people and depicting occult or demonic themes. 
You know, it's what I can understand banning is such a strong word. I can understand a librarian saying we're not going to carry the books in the Goosebumps series because I feel that they have an extremely low literary value. But but even so, who is that person? Who's that librarian to say? Yeah, yeah. I still, right? th- I mean, I'm just saying I can see that happening. I can somewhat understand her point of view. I still think it's wrong. Anything that can get a kid interested in reading is fine. But the argument about, I just I try to imagine, that's what I don't understand about all this kind of crazy stuff is if you like fo- follow it through its natural logical conclusion. In this case, we'd be talking about a grown up, like a satanic devil worshiping grown up. A guy with like skinny guy with long black hair and dark eyes. And if you asked him like, what got you started on this path towards like cutting pentagrams in your arm and burning candles in a circle and, and doing these rituals. And he was like fucking goosebumps. I mean, I think that's how Hitler got started. <laughs> on a goosebumps book. <laughs> yeah, he would have had to time travel to the future though. Cause the first goosebumps book came out in 1992, which is a lot later than I thought. Maybe you make a great point. Maybe Hitler did travel to the future and one of the things that he did was kill the inventor of the time machine so that he could not go back in time and kill baby Hitler. I think the odds are high that you're right. I once tattled to my librarian that a book had the word damn in it and this is... (laughs) (laughs) Why did you do that? Because I was a good Christian young man. Wait, did the book really have the word damn in it? Yes. What did she do about it? I don't remember. I think she just said, well, sometimes books have bad words in them, but that's just fucking life, you little seven-year-old idiot. She just immediately ran straight over and set one of the bookshelves on fire. You're like, that wasn't even the bookshelf with the book on it. So, the book came out in 92, or the first book came out in 92. It's still being published today. There's been 62 in the main series. You're still doing them? Plus a bunch of spinoff. R.L. Stein's still out there, bruh. Uh, it's also spawned a TV series and feature films starring our friend and listener of the show, Jack Black, as R.L. Stein. There have been six Goosebumps video games, which I would love to play, <laughs> as well as a comic series titled Goosebumps Graphics, Graphics with an X. Oh, yeah. That had to, be come, out, had to come out in the 90s. Did I mention that it sold between 350 and 400 million? So, Harry Potter's got Goosebumps yeah. beat by about 100 million at least. Is there anything by Stephen King on here? No, I was disappointed to say. Is there anything else on here for kids? Yes, plenty. There's also old man stuff for you. I'm not thinking about little kid. I'm not thinking about little kid stuff. Little All kid right, stuff gonna, sells well too. I'm going to help you here. Okay. I'm going to, well, I'm not going to help you. I'm going to list off, me. I'm going to list off a bunch of popular series that aren't in, that are below number 30. So, they're not in the top 30. Okay. Song of Ice and Fire, also known as the Game of Thrones series, Mm -hmm. is not in the top 30. They're number 41. Jack Reacher, number 47. The Magic School Bus is number 48. Winnie the Pooh, number 42. Uh, I already covered Lord of the Rings. The Twilight series is number 27. Oh, shit. Oh, so they are in the top 30. Excuse me, but they're... Okay, so Twilight. Uh, No Sherlock Holmes and No Curious George. See, uh, okay. Guinness World Records is number 31. Did you ever own a copy of the Guinness Book of World Records? I used to be obsessed with the Guinness World <laughs> Records and I would spend many hours in the library just sitting and flipping through the pages. 
Another book I know I'm going to... I want your thoughts. I want you to fill our listeners' ears. Ew. Uh, and fill their ears with your candid thoughts on number 44, the Left Behind series. I don't remember if I've ever told you this before, but I have actually read the entire Left Behind series. How many are there? I can't remember. There's something like seven or eight. I was really sick. I can't remember what I had, strep or the flu or something. And uh, I was down for the count for several days. And down I, for the count. <laughs> and in my desperation for something to read, I borrowed a family member's paperback collection of the Left Behind series. And there's 16. Yeah, I guess I read them all. All the way f- from the original Rapture through Jesus and his angels returning on horses and chopping people's heads off. Wait a minute. I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. One, does it follow the same characters through the whole series? It follows the same, the same few main characters. Uh, you might remember they made a movie of the Left Behind, first Left Behind book, and it starred Kirk Cameron. His character in the book series is Buck Williams. Buck Williams is introduced in the book series as the greatest <laughs> the greatest journalist in the world. <laughs> they don't mince words. They don't like try to describe his popularity or his influence or his credibility. They just flat out say he's the best. He's the world's greatest investigative journalist. The other main character who's a an airline pilot, his name is Ray Steele. Rayford Steele. Oh, my God. And he's a hunk. But he gets left behind. I'm looking at the movie poster for the Kirk Cameron left behind. There is liberal use of exclamation points in the movie poster. Yeah, there were in the books, too. The books are written by a couple of guys who have a very... Whatever religious religious sect or whatever they are, denomination they are, they have an extremely literal interpretation of revelations where some people may interpret interpret um, a plague of beasts that were like small horses whose wings were like that of eagles and you know some kind of crazy shit like that most people would say like well it's something to be interpreted or it's an analogy or maybe it's even a vision of like future technology that can't be described but these guys, I know take, what you mean. these guys take a literal viewpoint. So there's a point where, like, there was a, a plague of tiny metallic horse type locust animals. What? So in Revelation, there is a plague described. One of many plagues is described of like these small creatures that are part horse, part insect, and they swarm and stuff. God, that's scary. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the book makes it even more terrifying. I'm guessing there's no sex scenes. No, but uh, sex is implied after two of the characters are married. Uh, but it is not without some serious consequences. Some of the main characters die. One is martyred. Her head is cut off in a guillotine. Wow. I read them all. Hang on. They, they were, and while I read them, I knew they were shitty and I just kept on reading them. Kind of like the same reason you watch the Hallmark movies. It's the same reason you kept eating that hot dog. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, But I'm looking... You sent me down a Left Behind movie wormhole (laughs) with Kirk Cameron. I saw him in an airport once. Hold that thought. 
So, Left Behind came out in 2000. Stars Kirk Cameron. The movie posters for these are all must-see. But there's Left Behind the Movie 2000. That was a theatrical release. Then there was Left Behind 2 Tribulation Force. Hell yeah. In 2002. (laughs) Where's Henry Zabrowski when you need him? That was a straight-to-DVD. And the movie poster features Kirk Cameron in a turtleneck looking (laughs) a direction and with evil eyes of a man behind him in the background. Oh, my God. That must be the Antichrist. And then there's one more, Left Behind World at War. God damn. And then I didn't, I had no idea on this. There was a reboot starring Nicolas Cage. What? In 2014. And there was a PC video game, Left Behind Eternal Forces. (laughs) With several sequels. Oh, the third Left Behind movie had Lewis Gossett Jr. All right, everyone. Here we go. Strap yourselves in. What? Go ahead, Brandon. You don't know who Lewis Gossett Jr. is? Nope. Whatever. He's the Iron Eagle. Anyway, they were dog shit and I read them all. Well, they're the 44th highest selling book series ever. Give me another guess. Oh, wait. You said, hang on. We got to talk about Kirk Cameron in the airport. Tell me about that. You know, just trying to make a connection in a very busy airport. I think it was uh, Chicago. Was it Atlanta after? No. Or after you ate the hot dog? No, I didn't do that. You did. It was in Chicago O'Hare. I was by myself just trying to make a connection. And I was face to face with the best investigative journalist in the world himself, Buck Williams. Not as tall as I would have guessed. Did you talk to him? No, he was... Headed the other way looking for his connection and I also did not want to get into a conversation with an evangelical Christian. When you said he was heading to his connection, do you mean with Jesus Christ, our <laughs> Lord and Savior? It might have been. He, was, he looked intense about wherever he was going. And by the time I registered that I just saw Kirk Cameron, he was probably like you know, 20 feet behind me. Well, think about Kirk Cameron... Hell of a man, hell of an ass. It's what he's, other than being an evangelical Christian, it's the other thing he's known for is... Dead ass. His cleft behind. His doughy alabaster. I'm not going to get anything for cleft behind. I'll give you something. God damn, that was good. I'll mail you a hot dog. I'm going to write that down. What is a cleft behind? I guess it didn't register with me because I didn't know. (laughs) Is it a thing with behinds? I'm going to look it up. Cleft ass? Oh, there is an intergluteal cleft, the groove between the buttocks. Intergluteal cleft, yeah. Is the groove between the buttocks that runs from just below the sacrum to the perineum, so named because it forms the visible border. Yeah, it's the ass crack. It's known medically and by various synonyms, colloquially as the butt crack or ass crack, is the groove between the buttocks. Secondary tracks may open into the skin, allowing the cyst to drain a foul-smelling discharge, which is known as polodial sinus. Yeah. Those are bad. You don't want that. Hey, there's also... Hey, since we're on the same wiki page, there's also... It says, see also buttock cleavage. All right, let's take a look. I'm looking... There's a whole area on plumber's crack. Huh. There's a picture of a girl and the caption says, a model in very short shorts with exposed <laughs> underbuns. <laughs> Under the sea also, sea is, also butt is butt crack and camel toe. <laughs> oh, God. 
right. We have to move on. There's cam- we have there's to. camel toe. <laughs> Stop. And it's a picture of a, of a lady's camel toe next to an actual picture of camel's toes. <laughs> and don't worry, the description on the article on Wikipedia is extremely scientific. Yeah. Give me a guess, Brandon. I don't know. Probably something with dragons in it. No. Hmm? Unless there's a twist in one of these that I don't know about. Wait a second. How about some Tom Clancy? What's this guy's name? Um... Jack Ryan. No. Damn. All right, I'm going to start giving you some hints. Number nine on the list, inspired, let's see, it formed the basis of the children's television series Thomas and Friends. Thomas the Tank Engine? This, this series inspired that, that series. Fucking Dracula? You're probably not going to get it. Do you want to just tell yeah, me? Yeah, just tell me. The Railway Series okay. by Reverend W. Audrey and Christopher Audrey. Where was that? What number is that? Nine. The ra- that was popular? Like that popular? A set of storybooks about a railway system located on the fictional island of Sador. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nearly, I trust me. I know all about that part. Nearly all of the railway series stories were based upon real life events. As a lifelong railway enthusiast, W. Audrey was keen that his story should be as realistic as possible. The engine characters were almost all based upon real classes of locomotive and some of the railways themselves were directly based upon real lines in the British Isles. So, maybe they were the the kind of thing that at a certain time, maybe in the 50s and 60s, every British child grew up with several copies of Thomas books, railway books. Because they, it's other than Thomas and Friends, it's completely foreign to me as a book series. Same to me, but I didn't know if I was a weirdo. There's been 42 books, first published in 1945 and last published in 2011. Uh, it sold 200 million copies. The first 26 books were written by uh, W. Audrey. After he died, his son Christopher took over and wrote the rest. So, there you go. Number nine, the Railway Series. Hmm. You ready for another hint? Or do you have more guesses? I'm going to need some more hints. This is harder than I thought. I enjoy, I'm enjoying this, but it's harder than I thought. Number three on this list has come up before. It was the episode where I was guessing the most watched TV series finales. So, this book series inspired a TV series whose finale was in the top ten most watched of all time. MASH? No. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm going to read you the synopsis and you tell me if you get it. Yeah. It follows, the series follows an American fictional character, a criminal defense lawyer. Most of the stories involve a client's murder trial. Typically, the main character establishes his client's innocence by implicating another character who then confesses. Is this Perry Mason? Yes. Perry, Perry Mason by Earl Stanley Gardner is, is number, number three. Three? Number three. What the hell? We love to shock people here on the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> I'm shocked. Who, who's buying all these? How many did well, it Well, probably sell? your grandfather and mine because they were published between 1933 and 1973. There's been 82 books and four short stories which have collectively sold over 300 million copies. That is the kind of thing that my grandfather would have read. Anyway, Perry Mason... All I know is the black and white TV show and the theme song. I had no idea that this series was like 
bigger than Curious George. It makes Curious George look like dog shit. Yeah, Curious George has only sold 27 million copies compared to... You idiot. 300 million. So, what about, uh, the character of... What? What about uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog? Glad you said that. Clifford the Big Red Dog is number 21 with 129 million copies sold. There's got to be more kids books on here. Let's take a detour for a minute. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you number 17 on this list. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm telling you about number 17 is it's remarkable because... Well, okay. Number 17 and number 28 have the same thing. Three books. Yeah. That's it. And it's landed them in the top, the top 28. Number 28 is The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. I believe Three it. books with 100 million copies. And the first book just came out like less... I think 2008. Was one of them Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades series by E.L. James That's is number 17. 17, yeah. Well, three books, 150 million copies. I keep thinking of it when I listen to that uh, podcast about the dad that wrote the pornographic novel. Because I read a few pages of the Fifty Shades book and it's alarmingly bad. Well, yeah, people are just reading it for the sauciness. To be whacking it or karate chopping it. I don't know what they do. Churning the butter? Choking the chicken. Stirring a bowl of macaroni and cheese. Ringing the bell. Mowing the yard. Dressing their hot dog. Eating a hot dog over a trash can. Fifty Shades of Grey. So, you've read one. No, I read a few pages from one. Oh, uh, okay. And, and how vigorously, aggressively, and savagely did you masturbate? The part I read was On a scale of one to ten. The part I read wasn't very sexy, uh, but I can't imagine the sexy parts were any better. Do you remember how I, you might not remember this, but way back in the episode where we covered the top grossing horror films ever, yeah. I told you a story of my childhood where I slept, after seeing Child's Play mm-hmm. when I was eight years old, I slept with the Bible under my pillow for a few weeks yeah. to ward off any evil spirits, <laughs> spirits I guess. Uh, well, I got to tell you that when I got married, I slept with Fifty Shades of Grey under my pillow uh, for weeks hoping it would... Uh, Hoping the power, the raw power... It would ward off loneliness? Contained within its pages would uh, give me strength. What did it do? It turned your dick gray. Yeah. So, that's Fifty Shades by E.L. James. And it's not in the top, whatever. Number 17. Are. Tell me the French one. All right. The French one is number... The French one's number 10 and it's San Antonio by Frederick Dard. Have you heard of that? Nope. Here's the synopsis. Detective Superintendent Antoine San Antonio is a kind of French James Bond without gadgets, flanked by two colleagues, the old, sickly, but wise Inspector César Benyard <laughs> and the gargantuesque Inspector Alexandre Benoit Beriada. He is a member of the French Secret Service and has to fulfill impossible missions given by Le Veux, which translates to the old man, uh-huh. later known as Achilles, the head of the French police. With the help of his colleagues, he always succeeds through various adventures. There are 173 uh, volumes of the San Antonio series between 1949 and 2001, which have sold over 200 million units. It is the only book in the top 11, the top 10, I guess, uh, not originally published in English. I had no idea this guy existed. There's a French, there's a French bond. Without the gadgets. Without the gadgets, that's one of the most important part. He just, he's too busy like trying to hop. I imagine he's just like Pepe Le Pew, but with a gun. No, I think he was too busy eating cheese and sipping red wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, he was a spy? 
He was a detective superintendent. So you're missing. Wait, what about uh, uh, the Bond series, James? No, Bond. James Bond is number twenty-nine. Let me give you thirty through twelve here, starting with thirty. Martine by Gilbert Delahave and Marcel Merliar. Whatever. James Bond by Ian Fleming. The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Mr. Men by Roderick Hargreaves and Adam Hargreaves. The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis is number 25. Number 24 is a Japanese series called Mushashi by Iji Yoshikawa. 23 is Dirk Pitt by Clive Cussler. 22 is Frank Murraywell by Gilbert Patton. 21 is Clifford the Big Red Dog. You went from all these distinguished French-sounding books to Clifford the Big Red Dog. Number 20 is Chicken Soup for the Soul by Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. 29 is Geronimo Stilton by Elisabetta Adami. 18 is American Girl by various authors. 17 is Fifty Shades by E.L. James. 16 is Peter Rabbit by Beatrix Potter. 15 is Little Critter by Mercer Mayer. Meyer. Do you remember those? <laughs> yeah, I do. I love that little guy. Yeah, I have a few of those in my house as we speak. 14. I really thought 14 would be in the top 10, and that's the Star Wars books. Oh, yeah. There's like a million of those, 300 yeah. plus, in fact. Uh, the Babysitter's Club's number 13, and 12 is Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which astounds me that it's climbed so high so fast. Do you ever read any of the Star Wars books? Yeah, I actually read a lot of them. And how, how many alien sex scenes are there? <laughs> Zero. But it didn't, get, it didn't stop me from thinking about it. Naturally. I mean, in the very first Star Wars movie... One of the very first places they go is a bar and it's full of creatures with their ears in different spots and eyes on top of their heads and some of them have extra eyes and extra mouths and extra butts, weird hands and stuff. So, you're like, it's a bar, everyone's drinking this blue shit and then getting drunk. Somebody's going home with somebody. I have a number of things to say. Number one, it always bugged me how in Star Wars, other than humans... You never saw any two of the same species, ever. Yeah, you Every do. single thing is a one-off. Nah, you do. Well, I mean, maybe a few exceptions. For the most part, like in that bar you are just talking about, there's a few humans and then one-off of everything else. Right. Sorry. Inconsistent. Uh, another thing I don't like is in the... In, uh, what was the one I saw with you? Uh, we saw Rogue One. Yeah, there was another one. The Last... The, no, last, the last Jedi. Yeah, that was when he milked. He milked the yeah, thing. He, you loved. You knew what I was going to say. He milked the Mountain Dew out of this big old <laughs> titty sitting in the out of this uh, <laughs> out of a manatee's titty. <laughs> it's just a zoomed in close up of Luke wiping his mouth with a greedy, greedy, satisfied grin after he drinks it. And I ask you, why? What purpose did that serve? To make you sexually excited, <laughs> or to make me want Mountain Dew? You immediately got up and went to the concession stand. And my last point that I want to make is that Chewbacca has sex with something. Wait, where? When? Chewbacca, I mean, he is a big ape Whoa. and you know, he's a Bigfoot, he's something. He's a Wookiee. He has sex organs and I'll tell you what else. Sexual organs. You made the comment about the big bar with people going home with each other. Uh -huh. That's interspecial sex. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think it's just fine in the Natural. Star Wars universe. Yeah, here on Earth, it'll get you into get you into a bit of trouble. 
But in the Star Wars universe, if it's, you know, if it can talk to you at the bar, I guess you can go home with it. I have a serious question. Uh-huh. You're going to think I'm kidding, but I'm serious. You know how there's lots of different types of, for lack of a better word, monkeys? Um, sure, yeah. Apes, like there's chimpanzees, there's... Primates, I don't right? Know, orangutans. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not counting humans in that. I'm just, you know. Right. A lot of different kind of monkeys. If a chimpanzee had sex with an orangutan. Oh, boy. Could it impregnate it? I don't know. That's a great question. I mean. Because a chihuahua can impregnate a poodle. Well, and there's uh, ligers. And you know, a mule is a horse and a donkey. Yeah. So, they can mate. So, I don't know. I get, I don't know how far apart a chimpanzee and orangutan well, are. Last week and this week, we had the Harry Potter fans yelling at us while they listen. And this week, this week, we have the monkey sex experts are yelling at us right now as they listen. I guess, I guess a video of these monkeys having sex wouldn't really do anything for us. Except no, but it's not going to stop you, is it? If you've got video of this, send us the link. But also send us a link science. to the part where it says that they ha- successfully had a, a orangutan, chimpanzee. Chapangatang? <laughs> Chapangatang. Topanga. You never watched Boys Meets World, did you? Topanga? They had a Topanga. I remember you shitting on Boy Meets World and immediately dropping on my friend list. I didn't shit on it. Yeah, you did. Okay. I'm going to give you a hint on number four. I'm going to read you uh-huh. a note I have and see if you get it. Many people incorrectly remember the name of the series as blank. This confusion has generated multiple theories to explain the memories, including oh, an unannounced God. name yeah. change, time travel, or parallel universes, and has been described as an instance of the Mandela effect. Now, hang on, I'm going to read one more. Bear with me here. According to the author's son, confusion over the name has existed since his father's childhood when a teacher insisted that the name was spelled blank due to the prevalence of names ending in Stein. A few examples of the mistake have been found in references to and knockoffs of official merchandise and publications and cartoons for the series used as an ambiguous pronunciation which may contribute to the false memory. Brandon. The Berenstain Bears. The Berenstain Bears. Is he Berenstain? Berenstain? The who knows? How because the fuck is it spelled in this universe? In our universe, it's spelled Berenstain with an A-I-N, but many people swear that during their childhood it was Berenstein or Stein with an E-I-N on the end, which is called the Mandela Effect. The Mandela Effect yeah, yeah. is when uh, many, uh, is when a lot of people misremember or remember something that's no longer that way. The Berenstein Bears is a children's literature franchise created by Stan and Jan Bernstein <laughs> and continued by their son Mike Bernstein. I'm just going with Steen for now. Bernstein who assumed partial authorship in 2002 and full authorship in 2012 following Jan's death, blah, 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 who gives a shit. The books feature a family of anthropomorphic grizzly bears. Anthropomorphic. What's that? It means humanoid. Why not just use humanoid then? It's shorter and more people know what it means. Are they hillbillies? (laughs) They generally learn a moral or safety-related lesson in the course Uh. of each story. If anything doesn't get children excited, then a safety-related lesson. I don't know what it is. There's been over 300 books in the series from 1962 to today, which have sold 260 million copies. What do you have to say for that? I'm looking at a picture of Papa... Papa Bear. He's definitely a hillbilly. Yeah, he's dressed like a hillbilly. Well, there's a TV show for this thing too and the theme song is a hillbilly song. 
It's the Bernstein Bears. <laughs> I'm reading the criticism here. Critics of the series have called it syrupy, unsatisfying, infuriatingly formulaic, hokey, abominable, and little more than stern lectures dressed up as children's stories. Who gives a shit? They're children's stories. Like, who is sitting here... Sorry, but these aren't meant to be super deep, and there's not a ton of substance. It's a kid's book. No one's sitting there... Sorry, I just think it's dumb. You don't have to be fucking moved by it. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, Berenstein Bears number four. And I would put... What's the mom's name? Mama Bear? Yeah. I'd call her a MILF. As far as bear women go. I'm trying to think of, of another bear woman who might be hotter. Rosie O'Donnell. Medea. God bless. Okay, so you're missing five, six, a lot. seven, and eleven. I'll give you another hint, Ski. God, these are hard. Number five, first published in 1979 with 185 installments through 1998 with, 100, with uh, 250 million units sold. Originally created for seven to 14 year olds, the books are written in the second person. The protagonist, that is the reader, takes on a role relevant to the adventure, such as a private investigator, mountain climber, race car driver, doctor, or spy. The stories are formatted so that after a couple of pages of reading, the protagonist faces two or three options, each of which lead to more options and then to one of many endings. It was choose your own adventure, its own type of series. Because I know Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. There's not like one franchise that does to choose your own adventure, is there? Aren't there lots of different publishers? I don't know anything about this series. It's on the list. Okay. Well, what number is it? Five. Did you, you never read any, any of those or did you? I choose my own adventure every damn day, my friend. I've never, I don't need a book to choose my own adventure. I wasn't very good at them. I always made decisions that led to my early demise. Were you better at those books than you are at sidekick hosting a podcast? Uh, no. Hmm. Uh, the last one I remember reading was a ripoff of Jurassic Park and I was frustra frustrated because every decision I made led to me being eaten by a dinosaur. So, how does it work though? Does it tell you to like skip to page X? So, you, like you have two decisions to make. Do you want to cut the red wire or the green wire? And depending on which wire you want to cut is a different page you go to and you okay. continue from there. Pretty cool. I don't think I ever did those. It's a great idea, but yeah, your options are each time are, are limited to two usually. After you read a couple of them, you start to figure out like, oh, I didn't like that ending and then you just skip back and... How many times did you did your choices lead you to end up in a cheap porno? You just put the book down and start... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like those, you know, the story that leads to the climax of the porn like film. showing up to fix the cable? Yeah. No, they were way more fantastical, like being dropped on an island where, you know, man is the most dangerous game or he's running from dinosaurs and being eaten. I think I did a rock climbing one too. Oh my God, I'm bored to tears. <laughs> Do you want to give another guess? I'm, I have been idly clicking around like Wikipedia trying to find like some sort of list that might inspire me. All right, I think there's only one more in the top 11 that you could guess. Okay. I don't think you're going to get the others. So, why don't we just focus on that one? Okay. So, this book is 
a modern series, mm-hmm. still around today. Um, it's the new Ender's Game. No, good guess. Percy Jackson. No, this book is not for kids for this series. Okay. Oh. It spawned a film series. Oh, um, Dan Brown, the uh, yeah, you got it. Religious Jesus's foreskin. Um, interesting description. You've clearly never read the books or seen the movies. The first book didn't have something to do with like Jesus's bloodline. Yeah, they found his foreskin. Was they it got foreskin? His DNA out of there. They found I don't the think it was his foreskin. Stick. I don't think that's how it works. The, that's the subtitle for the book. Oh, tip of his dick. Uh, the tip, of, the tip of Jesus. You, what was you the, might be thinking of the Passion of the Christ? What was it called? Um, uh, demons and angels, angels and demons. Uh, yeah. the tip of the, the tip of Jesus dick. <laughs> I think you're thinking of uh, Passion of the Christ, the tip of Jesus dick. That was really looking back. Like you saw it, right? Passion of the Christ. Yeah. yeah. What was that, right? Yeah, it was just really Yeah, like it's just an hour of someone getting the shit beat out of him. I think it's supposed to be powerful in that it tells you what Jesus did for us. Yeah. I remember people leaving it crying. Uh, It is a weird movie in hindsight. A weird movie for like, I don't know, middle-aged women to get, they loaded up in buses and rented out entire theaters and then it's like, yeah, have you ever seen a man... I don't think people had ever heard about any of these tortures and stuff before. Like, have you ever seen a man have his skin ripped off in front of you? Because now you're about to. Have you ever seen the th- the fat underneath his skin, like, pop out after the skin is ripped off? Uh, well, they're going to do that to your Lord and Savior on this giant TV s- or uh, movie screen here in a few minutes. That seems like a weird thing to just load up a bunch of people, grab some popcorn. Or take your family to with kids. Yeah. I remember people made such a big deal about how it was Mel Gibson's hand in one of the scenes nailing the and his hand to the ground. Yeah. Mel Gibson, hell of a guy. Uh, so, the Robert Langdon series follows Professor... Ro- it's by Dan Brown. Five books, 200 million copies sold. It follows Professor Robert Langdon... It's number wait, five? Sorry, six. 11. 11. 11. A Harvard University professor of history of art and symbology a fictional field related to the study of historic symbols, which is not a meth- methodologically connected to the actual discipline of semiotics. I don't know what the hell I just said. Uh, yeah. But the first book was published in 2000, still going on. It's the lowest number of installments in the top 10 books as far as fewest books, highest sales. Uh, and The Da Vinci Code, the second book in the series and the most famous. That's it. The Da Vinci Code. Sold over 80 million copies alone. That's the Da Vinci Code subtitle, The Tip of Jesus Dick. I remember being in church camp when I was like 13 or 14 and this book was the big talk and the uh, every, all my counselors at church camp warned us not to, not to read this book because it can bring unwelcome thoughts <laughs> about... You mean because thoughts that were uh, uh, not sinful. the same that they were given to you at church camp? Because the, it goes directly against the Bible, right? Or, well, I don't know if, the, does the Bible explicitly state that Jesus was like celibate and... No, I don't think it does. I don't know if it does or not, but... Like, because, I think their interpretation and their image of him is yeah is that, and so it's disturbing. The premise of the Da Vinci Code is that Jesus took up, uh, laid with Mary Magdalene. <laughs> like, what's the big deal? They're just laying down, sharing a bed, man. 
I slept in the same bed with my brother when I was a kid. No big deal. Um, oh, they mean laid down yeah. like in a 69 position. Yeah, they 69 and uh, they had a baby and that led to the bloodline of Jesus Christ being carried all the way to today. That's the uh, premise of the Da Vinci Code. Oh. So, you could see why the church would disagree with that. But it is just a fictional story. So. Who's the son of the Lord then? But I remember uh, the what they said is that, because I did see the movie, but I never read the book. I, I have it on my list to read though, uh, much to my church counselor's dismay. <laughs> I remember them saying that there's some very compelling evidence taken from the Bible that points to the possibility that Jesus really did take a wife. Uh, or a secret lover yeah. uh, to to impregnate the same way a chimpanzee impregnates an orangutan. Monkey style? Tell me if you agree with this. Where did I hear this? I don't remember where I heard this, but I heard that there is definitive proof that the man Jesus did walk the earth. It, what What is, is disputed is that whether, you know, he was who he said he was. Walked the water as well? Yeah, that he was the son of God, that he that he had magical powers. That he brought the dead back to life. Yeah, I think it. I think that part is. So, someone out there, isn't that fascinating? Let's take religion aside for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 just work for argument's sake with the premise that the man that was Jesus was not the Son of God. Okay. This man either was crazy or told a lie so much so that he is the entire foundation of religion and. So much in the world, 2,000 plus years later. Pretty remarkable. Uh, I don't know. I have no point here. I'm just kind of talking. It's just kind of... Because imagine if he was just bullshitting and he knew it. He never would have thought that we'd still be here talking about him today and that billions of people over the course of the last 2,000 years have dedicated their life to him. Did I lose you? No. You just made me start thinking about it. I'm like, this guy's... This guy is a silver-tongued devil. Yeah, because if he's just bullshitting the whole time to get disciples and Mary Magdalene... He's a good, uh, he's a good marketer. Yeah, we, we could learn something from him. Uh, but, you know, it's either that or he was crazy. So, he really did think he was the son of God. And then a bunch of other crazy people were like, this sounds great. But they would have had to cover up for him to... For his spell... For his spells. For his... For his deeds, right? Because if... If he really thought he brought someone back to life, yeah. then the disciples probably were like, well, we can't let him know that he didn't really do it, so we got to make this happen. <laughs> It'd be a good comedy movie. It's like, uh, they're like, holy shit, Jesus, uh, Lazarus is all dead, man. He's totally dead. <laughs> do you think you could fix him? And Jesus is like, what? <laughs> I don't know if I... And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You've not tried that before. You made that guy's eyes all better when you smeared mud on him. You remember that? Like, I don't know, you guys. I kind of think maybe his eyes were just closed. Like, no, just let's go check Lazarus out and you can just just try it, okay? And they'd show up and it's just like one of their friends laying really still, like trying not to (laughs) smile. (laughs) When Jesus puts his hands out over him, he's like, Lazarus, rise! And the guy goes, Jesus is just so dumb. (laughs) And I think it's also a great example of the telephone game where stories just get passed around and they get written down in this book. And of course, there's a third scenario, which I haven't mentioned, that this was all real and that the Bible got it just right. 
I'm trying to think of all the amazing things that would have had to have been true, like dragons. Are we talking about Old Testament too or just the Jesus part? The Jesus part. Oh. Well, if the Jesus part is true, isn't the Old Testament true then? I think that's enough religion for one episode. Dragons. Where are the dragons? I don't know. I was someone smarter than me said it references dragons in the Old uh, Testament. George R.R. R. Martin didn't write the Bible. He never would have gotten it done. There's three, two more to guess. Uh, two more and I'm just going to tell you. Just tell me. So, we got Naughty and that's N-O-D-D-Y. Have you heard of that? By Enid Blyton? Naughty by Nature? <sighs> I'm not talking about the websites you visit. No, I haven't heard of Naughty. Is Naughty like nodding, nodding off to sleep? He was made by a woodcarver in a toy store. He was made by what? Here's the synopsis for the first book in the series. There's 24 books. Here's the synopsis for the first one. And I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's it's important. He was made by a woodcarver in a toy store, a little boy named Naughty, but ran away after the man began to make a wooden lion, which scared Naughty. As he wanders through the woods with no clothes, money, or home, he meets Big Ears, a friendly gnome, Big Ears decides that Naughty is a toy and takes him to live in Toyland. He generously provides Naughty with a set of clothing and a house. While Naughty is quite happy to be a toy, the citizens of Toyland are not sure that he is actually one. They put Naughty on trial and examine whether he is a toy or an ornament. Whoa! I love this. Eventually, Naughty is declared a toy but still has to convince the court that he is a good toy. The judge accepts that Naughty is a good after a doll tells the court that he saved her little girl from a lion and he is allowed to stay in Toyland. Naughty gets his car in the second book. It is given to him after he helps solve a local mystery. God Tell damn. me your memories of Naughty. Uh, I have none. I, just... I thought you said you remembered this. No. You said you remembered this when I was reading. Did I? You said you loved this guy. No, I just loved what I was hearing about it because they... Oh, 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 I thought you meant you were remembering because it. Because they uh, put him on trial. <laughs> yeah, to be a toy or an ornament. Yeah. Uh, this is a kid's book. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of the original Naughty and then pictures of a recent kid's show. He's inspired a bunch of different shows since 1955. Here's an image from Facebook advising me to keep calm and love Naughty. He sold 200 million books since 1949. God damn. I've never heard of this in my life. British. God damn, they love to read books there, don't they? Bunch of nerds. I never heard of Naughty before. He looks like a sweet little elf boy. Yep, he's a toy. All right, number six is Sweet Valley High. Oh. By Francine Pascal and Ghost Riders. Do you know this, these books? I'm familiar with them, yeah. They are There's I been... think, in the same vein as Babysitter's Club, I think. Yeah, there's been 400 fucking books in this series since 1983 to 2003. In a 20-year span, 400 books. Do you think they cashed in on that cash cow? I think these are more, um, yeah, these are a little bit more spicy. These are... 250 million books sold. I'll tell you about the spiciness. A series of young adult novels attributed to American author Francine Pascal, who presided over a team of ghostwriters to produce the series. That sounds controversial. Yeah. The books chronicle the lives of identical twins, twins Brandon, twins Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield, who live on the fictional street of Sweet Valley, California, a suburb near Los Angeles. The twins and their friends attend Sweet Valley High. And a TV series based on the 
book series ran for 88 episodes between 1994 and 1997. And here's your last note, which should get you properly titillated. A film adaptation is in production now. Well, I can tell you, well, let me tell you some of the names of the Sweet Valley High books from the 80s that I can see in this image search okay. and how like they are hinting at, at spiciness. Here's one titled Secrets, Double Love, Wrong Kind of Girl, Ooh, All Night Long, All Night Long, Playing with Fire, <laughs> Dangerous Love. I said double love, right? Yeah, double love. Dangerous love. I'm still looking. Rockstar's girl. Too good to be true. Heartbreaker. Who needs 50 shades, am I right? You going to add these to your reading list on Kindle? So, was there anything uh, in these books that was like too... Did they ever get their hands slapped for being too nasty? Uh, not that I know of, but it would not surprise me. Okay, here's a sweet list of Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High books. So, the first one's called Double Love. Ooh, I love when I love something doubly. It was released September 1st of 1984. Elizabeth Wakefield really likes Todd Wilkins, and he likes her, but her twin sister Jessica wants Todd oh. for herself. Damn. Also... Speculation is rampant about Mariana West, a lawyer in Mr. Wakefield's law firm. Do you ever get down on your knees and think, Harrison Ford, that you don't have any girls to raise? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, things like dangerous, the description of dangerous love bother me because, um, so the boys are really stupid and... Well, if you have a girl, you have to worry about the bad decisions she will make and then also the bad decisions of all these idiot boys. All right. Why don't we review the top 11 here? Let's review it. Okay. Number 11, the Robert Langdon series by Dan Brown. Number 10, San Antonio by Frederick Todd. That, what kind of... Is that supposed to be French? San Antonio. Ha, ha, uh, you're always better at making fun of other uh, cultures than I am. The Railway Series by Reverend W. Audrey and his son Christopher Audrey. The Nancy Drew Series is number eight by various authors posing as Carolyn Keene. Number seven is Naughty. That's double D Naughty <laughs> by Enid Blyton. It's the truth. Number six is Sweet Valley High by Francine Pascal and her ghostwriters. Do you think it's literally just a bunch of ghosts sitting in a room writing? Bad joke. This room is fucking spooky. Don't go in there. All right. Number five is Choose Your Own Adventure. Number four is The Baron Stein Bears by Stan and Jan. Number three is Perry Mason, Brandon's favorite show on Netflix. Number two is Goosebumps by R.L. Berenstein. Number one is Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. That is the top 11 best-selling book franchises of all time. I should have guessed Animorphs. Oh, Animorphs, you should have. I only I know about those. I only know about Animorphs from the memes, and they are, they they do make some of my favorite memes. I'm not familiar with the Animorphs memes. So, how did the Animorphs become animals? Is it just they transformed? Well, no fucking shit. But was it like he hit puberty and he starts turning into a cat? Also, or I don't remember. Did a gypsy put a curse on him? I think there was a show on Nickelodeon called Animorphs. Well, it was like. 
Nickel- Nickelodeon had like a teen section. Uh-huh. Or, you know, what, what do they call that? Uh, yeah, Nickelodeon. Yeah. Uh, 1998 to 2000 in the US and Canada. So, it was short-lived. It was... Uh, let's see. The book series of the same name by K.A. Applegate. Uh-huh. Catherine Applegate and her husband, Michael Grant, writing under the name K.A. Applegate. Honey, I got a great idea for a book series. What if it was kids who turned into fucking kitty cats? Oh, my God. Look at this fucking cover. Do it now. All right. I'm sending you a link. I want you to describe the picture of the book in this link to our listeners. <laughs> So, the name of this book uh, in the Animorphs series is The Invasion. The, uh, the, the subtitle is Some People Never Change, Some Do, dot, dot, dot. And the bottom left corner of the book is a picture, a sepia-toned picture of kind of a sullen-looking girl with her hair pulled back. She looks like maybe she's faced hardships. The, the image is... Between her and the top right, slowly morph her face from <laughs> ape-like <laughs> to lizard-like. And by lizard, I mean it is Kermit the Frog with a little extra thing hanging down from under his chin. It is the most basic fish-like looking lizard I've ever seen. Brandon, you just don't understand the Animorphs universe. Some people never change and some turn into a fucking lizard. She looks so bored right before that happens. So, that's Animorphs. They're not on this list. I know. I just want to look at pictures of Animorphs. So, here's a... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Hey there, this is Nick with a quick interruption before we dive into the next few minutes of discussion. I had to add this in post-production. The next few minutes, Brandon and I are going to be brought to tears discussing the covers for a few Animorphs books, most specifically the book titled Animorphs, The Discovery. And even though we mention doing this while we're talking, I want to hammer the point home before we dive in. If however possible, make it happen. Pull up Google on your phone or computer, do a Google search for Animorphs, The Discovery, and look at the image results for that. The first one or two or three images will be the cover of this book, Animorphs the Discovery. It's a picture showing the transition of a snake turning into a little kid. Another quick way to find it is just to go to any of our social channels at TennisPod and it will be one of the top posts on there, a picture of this book. You have to see this picture. I promise you it's worth it and it's going to really help as you listen to the next few minutes of discussion. If you can't pull that image up because you're driving or something, it's still worth it. Here we go. Here's one the subtitle says. I have to send it to you. I'm going to cry. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm clicking furiously. <laughs> Look at the second to last picture right before he turns into a human. I want all of our listeners to look up the book, Animal... <laughs> Airmorphs, the discovery. <laughs> Look at the middle picture. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> He's got his hands in his pockets still. <laughs> this kid starts as a cobra. And he transforms into a, does... a child wearing a red shirt, red plain shirt and dad jeans <laughs> belted up. 
the fucking smug look on his face. <laughs> he still looks smug in that second to last picture, too. This is a must-see. Animorphs, the discovery. Uh, Look it up. There's a girl turning into a starfish. Starfish, holy shit. But, holy Why would moly. you want to be a starfish? Imagine how, how ripped off you'd feel as an animorph if you got the starfish. <laughs> Your friends get to be a tiger or a, or a <laughs> dog. And you're a starfish. There's one where a little boy crouches down and becomes a roach. Send it. Becomes a little roach. And he crouches down like he's just accepting his fate. He's like, okay. <laughs> I'll get down. Oh, my God. God damn. Oh, my God. Here's a little boy turning into a duck. You have to to stop. Uh, Man, nothing is going to beat that first. first. His hands in the pockets are what kills me on the third one. Those those middle two pictures, the face face on that middle one looks so despondent. Like in the middle of it, he realized what was happening. He didn't want to become a boy again. No, but he's smirking in the in his final state. Yeah, I know I'm hot. <laughs> Holy shit. Imagine all the chicks you'd get if you were a snake boy. <laughs> he's saying, hey, bitch, watch this. <laughs> you girls want to see some shit? Get ready to get wet. With a sky blue background. Yeah. Like, I don't understand the background either. <laughs> he's standing he's not every, flying the background of every single one of these it's like they just picked a random like I don't know fucking clouds what color are you with clouds orange just make them orange how about on this one green I don't know fucking fire put some fire back there I like how it's a husband wife duo writing these does that mean they take turns writing sections I mean what does that even mean I write the snake you write the boy <laughs> I'll meet you in the All middle right. Yeah, how how come he doesn't have clothes on when he's a snake, but when he when he tur- when he anamorphs, he's immediately clothed in the most late '80s outfit I've ever seen. He's those are some fucking relaxed fit jeans. <laughs> you think a snake wouldn't be worried about that? Well, a snake likes to shed his skin. Am I right? Oh, let's wrap this up. I'm gonna wrap us up with one reading of a review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, this came from Jennifer Sandwich, what? who said. Her name is Jennifer Sandwich. Sandwich. So dry, dot, 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 so good. Started with the holiday episode, but you had me at Grizzlies being pushed on you in Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Subscribed. Dig in the dry humor. Thank you. People, we will read the living shit out of your podcast reviews if you leave them on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You have the app on your phone even if you don't use it. Go rate us five stars and read us a review and we will read it on a future episode. Brandon, I'm exhausted. Exhausted. (laughs) But we have covered the best-selling book franchises in the history of the written word. Do you have any closing words for our loyal listeners, including R.L. Stein and J.K. Rowling? I'll leave you with the words from The Discovery by K.A. Applegate. Get ready. There's a brand new Animorph. Dot, 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 dot. Animorphs, the discovery. Look it up. 
We'll be back next week with a brand new top tennis list that will probably not be as well researched as mine with as many hashtag Nick's notes. But it's something. It's better than nothing. That's that's what's going to go on my tombstone. Better than nothing. Have you seen the bird box on Netflix? No, is it about tombstone? No, I just, while you were babbling, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw bird box and it reminded me. Uh, look at this. So, Netflix does not release numbers usually for their movies or shows. Mm-hmm. But Netflix has announced that Bird Box broke a Netflix record with 45 million plus people watching in the first week. I got to find out about this Bird Box. It's a movie. I watched it. It's good. Uh, Some people are hating on it, but I thought it was pretty good. Any boobs? Lots of boobs. Just kidding. But it does have Sandra Bullock, who's kind of a boob in her own way. Am I right? She's been described as a boob. (laughs) Sandy Bullock. All right, let's wrap this up way past Brandon's bedtime. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your astute attention, everyone, and we'll see you next week.